Hey, it's me, Gavin Crawford. Every week, I'll quiz comedians about the headlines. Do you worry about kids being exposed to drag? I grew up going to see men in dresses singing every Sunday and we had to give them money, okay? <laughs> I wish they were singing show tunes and had some makeup on their hair done, right? It would have been way better. If the news has you screaming into the void, we can help with that. Because news is available on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. So I got approached by a producer. We developed the pitch, and he got really excited. He thought, this is great. I love it. We're going to take it to uh, this guy at DreamWorks. This is Simon Barry. I'm a TV showrunner specializing in genre. He created the TV series Continuum and Warrior Nun. He's been working in sci-fi for over 20 years. I'm an expert. I wrote... 14 unproduced pilots before I sold my first one. There you go. I love that. I love Right now, he's telling us one of his pitching horror stories. So I get my pitch with the president of DreamWorks, and I'm like, oh my God, this is exciting. I mean, I'm in, just being in the building is sure. exciting. It's Amblin. It's my childhood, literally models of E.T., <laughs> Indiana Jones. I'm in this huge office. This executive is there, very nice guy, and I'm doing the pitch. And it's a very complicated science fiction pitch. And I'm literally 10 minutes into the 20-minute pitch when a phone, an old-fashioned phone, like a rotary <laughs> cell phone, on a, sitting on its own table, starts to <laughs> ring with an old ring. And I look over because it's normally you don't hear phones ring because everyone says, hold my calls. And I look over and it looks, it's a phone with no punch no. keys on it or dial. It's just like a blank phone on a table. And I'm like... That looks like the bat phone. Like, and the guy, the executive, says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's Steven. So he goes over to the phone, and he picks it up, and he's talking. And I go, he's talking to Steven Spielberg. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is so cool. I should be going, fuck, my yeah. pitch is ruined. <laughs> so he's talking to him, and he's like, oh, oh, no. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, I'll be, I'll be right there. And I'm thinking, he'll be right there, meaning after I'm done, he'll go. And he puts the phone down. He goes, I got to go. Um, I'll be right back. And he leaves the room. <laughs> so we're all looking at each other, going, I hope everyone's okay, whatever thing happened. That, And then it suddenly dawns on me. And it's like, oh, my God, Steven Spielberg just fucking killed my pitch. <laughs> what am I going to do? Like, And it's now 20 minutes have gone by. Everyone's telling me to calm down. About a half hour goes by. He comes back into the room, very apologetic. And he's like, look, I'm really sorry. We have a crisis on one of our movies, and I had to deal with it, and Steven's involved, and it's fine. Um, I'm back here. But clearly his mind is already gone to this problem. And even sitting down, he seems like a different person because he's now thinking about this thing. He goes, just pick up where you left off. I'm sure it'll be It's fine. And I go, okay. <laughs> All right. And so I just pick up where I leave off. And I get to the end of the pitch, and he's just like, yeah, okay, great. The only vibe I'm getting is get these people out of my room. <laughs> and I drive home uh, in my unair conditioned car, sweating profusely from what just happened, but also because it's 100 degrees. And I get home to my apartment. And then the phone rings about an hour later. My manager's calling. He goes, they bought the pitch. I was like, they bought the pitch? What? 
Yeah, they bought the pitch. And I think, I'm thinking, my first thought is like, they just feel bad. <laughs> they just feel so <laughs> awkward and bad. And they have so much money to throw around. They're just going to buy it. Just to like... His pitch story has a happy ending. Hopefully ours will too. I'm Ryan Beal, and along with Maddie Kelly and Mark Chavez, we're about to pitch our show to Simon. We could give you a little bit of what we're working on and get your initial sure. reactions. Are you okay? Pitching is tricky. How do you communicate the idea of an original TV show and everything it contains in just a few words? Are we ready to pitch? Huh, probably not. But we just spent the past couple weeks creating the world of our science fiction series, right down to designing the spaceship. This looks like a deconstructed sandwich. That looks like an olive and a carrot. Mm, no, I want a, a sandwich. And a bun. Oh, you're right. It does look like a sandwich. But we're not pitching because we're ready. We're pitching because Simon agreed to talk to us. And it's not a full pitch. Really, it's just a logline. Can we really quickly massage this logline before we break? A logline, we googled, is a brief one to two sentence summary of a TV show that hooks the audience in and describes the central conflict. Think of it as an elevator pitch. Let's see how Simon reacts. We do have a logline that we've crystallized that we'll give you. And cool. Then give me I'll the logline. Give log you the logline here and we'll go from there. Okay. So, uh, without any further ado, here we go. <clears throat> In the middle of deep space, 50 generations into a voyage with no return, an immense starship thought to contain the last humans in the universe is confronted by a ship from Earth sent to bring them back. What are your initial reactions? Do you understand <laughs> that at all? Do you, does it, yeah. yeah, it's that's perfectly okay. clear. So here's my first, my first bit of advice is you never start a pitch other than this is about a person. Gotcha. Mm. This is about mm -hmm. a character. Mm -hmm. This is about a human being mm -hmm. who dot, dot, dot. Right. Go crazy. But if it's not about a person, mm -hmm. then I've, you've, you don't have a pitch. Gotcha. You've only, you've got a setting. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yes. A, a story is about people. And mm -hmm. so people are your pitch, not your setting, not your ship, not your conceit. And the reason is this. The interesting part of your pitch is over in five minutes. Right. The interesting part about people never ends. People are endlessly fascinating. But starships, you see them and they're like, okay, there's a starship. Yeah. <laughs> so my first note would be th rethink your pitch through the lens of a human being yes. and pitch it as who is this person and why do I care? Yeah. And that will also solve all of your other writing problems. It's really amazing. Mm -hmm. If you don't start that way, you run off on a, a totally wrong direction. Like you're literally running in the wrong direction for weeks and weeks and weeks. <laughs> but if you start your log line with, this is about a person who has to go through a thing, a challenge. Now you've actually aligned everything you need to do for the rest of the process, all the way down to editing and and promoting it mm. because your eye is on the ball of who is this person and why do I care? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you don't ever deviate from that, you'll yeah. just find what, success. We should have talked to Simon way earlier because we spent a, <laughs> yeah. spent a long time <laughs> avoiding that question. <laughs> okay, great. Oh, man. Yes. For the last two weeks, we've been building the world of our show aboard these generational ships, but we've barely even talked about characters. Have we been, as Simon puts it, running in the wrong direction for weeks and weeks and weeks? For weeks and weeks and weeks. 
Suddenly, our show was facing an existential crisis. So, let me ask you this. Yeah. Is it too late to change the idea entirely? Okay, I thought that too. Hmm, okay. What a bombshell. <laughs> I don't... Uh... It's... <laughs> Let's make a sci-fi. So, I, okay, help me, help, me, uh, help me focus a little bit. On this show, you're following three comedians as we go from a blank slate to an earnest sci-fi pilot. Not a comedy, not a spoof. A real, serious show. We just spent weeks hammering out the details of this sci-fi world, and now, after our failed pitch, we were prepared to throw it all away. I think this is the part of the writing process where doubt starts to creep in. Mm-hmm. I feel like... You're right. I've been feeling for weeks, like, why do we, the reason we can't make decisions, you know what I mean? Because it's like, what is the bedrock of the thing? Like, what is the idea? And I keep being like, is it a show about this? And it's like all theme, like theme based. No, the bedrock, the thing that will like speak to you in your heart of what's authentic to the story is the character. And you will be able to make those decisions around the character because you'll know. And I was just like, oh, it's the character. It's the character. Mm. But I think... You know, that's what we thought science fiction writers do. Yeah. Write a concept. (laughs) And maybe some of them do, but, you know, I'm glad we've done a lot of that work because it's there if we need it. We took the weekend to think about our situation and lick our wounds. We were feeling down. But I wasn't going to let us give up because Simon had issued us a challenge. The next job is you you have to come back to me with the logline that starts with, it's about a girl (laughs) who dot, dot, dot. We're going to promise you a proper logline. Even we just have to leave a voicemail for you, Simon. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) I came back Monday with a new outlook on life. It was time to really focus on characters. Who are the people aboard our ships that are going to push the story forward? To get a bit of inspiration, we talked about the many memorable heroes and villains that left an imprint on our imaginations. Well, you like Doctor Who a lot. I like Doctor Who a lot. Also, he's not called Doctor Who. He's called the Doctor, just so everyone knows. Because we're going to get letters about that. I know nothing about Doctor Who. Me neither. His name is not Doctor Who. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, the Doctor. That's the first thing you don't know. (laughs) No, wait. When you say the Doctor, you're talking about Doctor Zhivago, Doctor Who. (laughs) Lots of different Doctors. Beyond characters themselves... We discovered that we're drawn to certain archetypes, like the Chosen One. Neo in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker. Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. The wise old man. I like, a, I like a Yoda, and I like a baby Yoda. And the duo of the skeptic and the believer. I love X-Files. Yep. Love Dana Scully. The skeptic. The skeptic. But she's also, like, so adventurous and brave, and she wants to know. Like, okay, I like Mulder, too, because... I think to me the best episode of X Files ever is the one where there's a guy who has like the power to take over bodies, right? And he takes yeah. over Mulder's and he has like this great life because David Duchovny is like so handsome, so he just gets to walk around this like handsome guy's body, and he almost kisses Scully, and then the real David Duchovny comes through the door, and he's like, "What the heck?" And then he's like, "I guess I just didn't have what that guy had." And you're like, "Oh my god, this guy's like a loser, like can't even get the girl that likes him, and someone else takes his body and does better with it." Wow. And I always really liked that. I think <laughs> that somebody has taken my body and is doing. 
not great with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great theory. Me too. <laughs> and, well, yeah. yeah, and I think that... Whoever's taken my body loves to order and I'll be really late at night. <laughs> I, think I took your body. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's what we've come up with so far in our pilot. Ship A has been in space for hundreds of years. Its mission is to arrive at and populate the planet Proxima. Kind of like a spacey Noah's Ark with no animals. Meanwhile, Ship B is a much faster ship with far superior technology. It only left Earth a few months ago, and its mission is to confront Ship A and bring them back to Earth. Lots of cool ideas there, but there was one problem. Oh my god. So we have no characters. That was basically true, but we do have some characters. Kind of. We know we have a protagonist, and we think they might be named Kirby. Which we don't even like that name. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, it's really growing on me, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. Kirby's an older man. I mean, or, or is Kirby? No, I think I actually think Kirby could be a woman. I'm down. Let's go with Kirby's a woman. We decided that our hero, Kirby, is a woman in her 50s. Now, she used to work on the ship's 3D printer, which would be a pretty important job but was fired from that because she was printing too many innovative, disruptive, sort of personal items. She's now been relegated to a more menial job on the ship. Water treatment. And she got kicked to the water treatment plant, which is where all the dodos go. Yeah, it's dead. It's like it's so simple. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But she still invents things. Kirby's like a kooky inventor, like has a whole bunch of like devices. Totally. I always love tinkerers. I was, you know, those. I love those characters. Did you ever see Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy? Because <laughs> that's Tinker. you'd love a fourth of that movie. <laughs> and we know Kirby comes up against the powers that be, but we haven't defined what those powers are. What we keep talking about is the powers that be. We say that again, and the powers that be get mad. Or Kirby's blowing the whistle, so there is someone in charge. And then we can talk about and you like you know like I think like broad strokes. They you know they. This person doesn't want Kirby to reveal his information, doesn't want the ship to stop, you know, doesn't want to con- contact ship B, you know, is like, mm-hmm. and is like somehow holding on to power, you know, and like mm-hmm. is sort of, is bad, is the, yeah. is the antagonist, is an yeah. obstacle, is an obstacle. Um, mm-hmm. I've called it this character in my mind, Lee. Lee, our villain, we decided, is the person who runs ship A. She's also a woman, and she's a bit like... Lee, Lee's like a Thatcher. She's like... Right. Uh, sort of like parental uh, on publicly and then like is like a bit scary and venomous behind closed doors. And I like that could be that could be a fun character type. Lee's a bad bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Lee's a serious girl boss. Uh, so, so Lee would have uh, people that allies close to her. I think there'd be a yeah. committee maybe. Like if we yeah. want to like talk like the this, like the Sylvia, like the, I called it the upper deck committee of the ship's governing council. Wasn't it called the council of systems? The council, council of systems, systems is a different, is a different council. Different. The council system would oh. be under the upper deck council. And I, I, that's a, it's annoying. But our character talk kept veering back toward our world building addiction. The council of agriculture, there would, there would be a committee of people that. Could it be committees and councils? Can I just point out something? Yes. Yes, Maddie. We're back. This is now we're making an org chart for the for the ship, which is totally good and valid. But I think we should focus on individual people. Maddie was right. And once we got back on track, the characters really started to flow. 
What about someone from Kirby's past at the 3D printer? That's a good idea. Somebody who used to, she used to work with, who has, still has power. And like, talk about key to the city. Yes. Because you could literally get a key to the city made at the 3D printer. You could have a 3D printed key to the city. <laughs> yeah, whatever you want. Spaceship. I feel like this person would be kind of horny. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? We also wanted to give Kirby some allies. So she's, this person is on the rise to power. They are like, you know, maybe maybe he or she or whoever, is gonna, they're going to be vice president or president. Well, it wouldn't be president, but it'd be like somebody in the cabinet. Yeah. Mm. And this person would probably be really horny. Well, let's talk about that. <laughs> I am willing to talk about that. And I pitch some comic relief. What about a, a pair of siblings? A pair of siblings that stumble upon alcohol. Like fermentation was oh. like was like not allowed. And they're Aggies and they grow something and then they leave it out. And then like, they, they're like, yes. they, suddenly they discover alcohol yeah. and like secretly have this like stimulant or drug that has yeah. never been allowed. And like yeah. they don't know what to do with. We also wanted to build Lee's team of characters. The people that she surrounds herself with. Is she married? Is Lee, does Lee have a... I imagine her being married to like kind of like Carol Baskin's husband. Remember that guy? Yes. <laughs> like that kind yeah. of a vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, he I w- didn't. He he's not like her. Like she's not come from the same birth line, so he doesn't have any power outside of being her husband. I don't think. Completely subservient to Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that, and then maybe there's like a child that is going to be the next Lee. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, petulant boy prince. Mm-hmm. I like that. We also tried to figure out what Ship B's whole deal was. I like Ship B wanting to stop Ship A. And I like Ship B utilizing Kirby or a protagonist to help stop the ship. Mm -hmm. On the last episode, Maddie pitched that maybe Ship B's vibe is like the space FBI. Ship A's space cult and Ship B is the FBI. So if Ship A is like a 98-person floating space cult and Ship B is like CSI Milky Way, who's aboard Ship B? We were thinking like under 10 people. There might be a grizzled leader who's seen it all. Chief. We thought there could be a second in command. Kind of an eager to please number two, like a Dwight Schrute. Mm. Oh, nice. And some nerd who might have the title of... Scientist. Who's like really into, you know, someone who's like in... Like an anthropologist. Like a sociologist. Sort of, yeah, someone who's yeah. an expert. An expert's good. An expert on that era of humans. Ooh, cool. A little, a little history guy with a little bow tie. Yeah. On, on what era of humans? On the, the era, era of humans that, that they left. left. So yeah. It, like, and now and, that, and they're, they're useless when they get there. Yeah. It would be like, well, yeah. this is their, <laughs> this is where they would have come from. This is what they know about Earth. Oh, I love that. Yo, this is great. This is great. This is so fun. We came up with a pretty good list of characters. We know roughly what they do, what ship they're on. What we don't know is what to call them. Other than Kirby and Lee, everyone is just nosy neighbor or shippy captain or crew member. And so we gave them names. The horny entrepreneurial 3D tech could be called... Um, and it's a man. This is a man, right? We're name a male character we think this 3D tech mm-hmm. is probably. Mm-hmm. Hewson. Hewson? Hewson. Naming characters is, well, there's no science to it. Do we want the names to, to be kind of like... Earth centric, or do we want to make them up like Star I think Wars? They should style, be like, fun. Yeah, Bandu. Oh, that's just me. Just, just not a lot of apostrophes. No, something yeah. you can pronounce. We just kind of felt like we'd know the right names when we heard them. Is the ship's doctor? What about doctor? Something like with an X, Pax, Doctor Pax. I like Pax. There's no real reason one name is better than another. How about Klong? No, Doctor Klong. No Klong. I mean, really, listen to this nonsense. How about Eric? 
Like Eric, like, but it's space. Eric. Eric. Dr. Eric? Dr. Eric. I like that. Eric. Dr. Eric. Eric. Dr. Eric. Dr. Eric. Dr. Pax Eric. It's like jazz. Sometimes you just make a weird honking sound and see where it leads. High-ranking bureaucrat with a heart of gold and is brave. What about her name is Pen? <laughs> what if it's microphone cover? Or What if it's Coke? What about if it's Cola? Kala. Nola. Nova. Nova. Ooh, spacey. Meadow. What about Meadow but M-E-D-O? Meadow. How about Wash? How about Washington? I like Washington. I actually like Washington a lot. Kind of interesting. Put Washington down. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. But it wasn't enough to just list and name the characters. Because after that, you just end up with a list of characters with some pretty weird names. In many ways, we weren't any closer to our goal of pitching back to Simon a new logline about a character that people will want to watch. We needed to figure out a way to bring Kirby to life. So we reached out to Kat Montague. I am a writer and a story editor and a teacher. So I teach screenwriting at Vancouver Film School, but I've also taught at Emily Carr and UBC and various other schools. Um, And I've been working on screenplays, my own and other people's, for about 20 years. Kat is often brought onto TV shows to help screenwriters when they're struggling. Not that we're struggling or anything, but just, you know, thought it was a good idea. Plus, she's a teacher, so we thought she could teach us a thing or two about good, watchable characters on TV and what makes them work. There's a lot on TV right now that I'm really loving. Um, you know, Roy Kent, for example, on Ted Lasso. I'm a huge Roy Kent fan. Billy Butcher and Huey Campbell from The Boys. Oh, so great. Um, my favorite, though, I have to say, and I, I thought about this for a while, is probably Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, for those of you who don't know, and I guess have been living under a rock for a few decades, is a show from the late 90s and is about Buffy Summers, played by Sarah Michelle Gellar, trying to live a normal life in high school while embracing her destiny as a hunter of vampires and demons. Spike is one of those vampires, and he starts off as a villain. The reason I love him, and I think the reason he's such a well-constructed character, is he was never meant to be a hero. He was always meant to be a villain. And he wasn't even really meant to be a main character. But the, the series took off. He took off in the series. People started to love him and root for him and want him to change, which is what makes a great character. The reverse of that, the other side of that coin, if you're willing, yeah. uh, what is like an example of a poorly written character or a character that maybe oh. doesn't, you know, I know, I know, because I know. I've it's written a lot of do. poorly written characters <laughs> over the years, but I, so, but like not to make this a negative sort of, no, interview, no. but like just for the, well, the teaching I mean, of it all. There's a few, there's a few, you know, Jenny Humphrey from Gossip Girl was one of the worst characters of all time. Oh my God. <laughs> Could she have been more unbelievable? Um, But, you know, to go back to Buffy, because I started there, Riley Finn in Buffy is the worst character. He's wooden McHandsome. He's too good to be true, and I don't like him. (laughs) Uh, 
So for me, I, anyone, anyone who's, you know, single dimensions, not interesting, you know, not flawed. Yeah. Uh, I don't like perfect people. I don't know any. And that's what it's all about for Kat. It's about the flaws in characters that make them watchable. There's a television show in Vancouver right now called Family Law. Uh, it's made here. The main character is an alcoholic and loves alcohol more than she loves her children. Right? That's a hard character to love. And the harder characters are to love, the more I end up loving them in the end. Hair looks nice. Oh, fuck off. Don't get drunk and shit in your sink again. When are you going to stop bringing that up when you do something better? Fleabag is a great example of that, too. She's just a terrible person <laughs> at the beginning of that show. And she's so damaged by her messed up relationships with her family and her grief that she just can't develop healthy relationships. And so I'm rooting for her, knowing she will fail. And I think that is another thing that I really find I identify with characters, characters who want something that they can't have. If I had not acted on their behalf, they would have been destroyed. I could not allow that to happen, sir. It was the most human decision you've ever made. You know, like uh, Data in um, Star Trek Next Generation wanted to be a real boy, (laughs) you know? Poor guy. (laughs) You know, you're never going to get there, man. But, you know, you got to love him for trying. So those are the characters I love. Characters who really go to a dark place and uh, we just wish they wouldn't, but we can't stop watching them do it. I really liked what Kat said. The harder a character is to love, the more you want to love them. So what's that in Kirby? What is our hero's flaw? So what do we know about Kirby already? Kirby is... Uh, doesn't conform to systems that she is in. That's why she has been like removed from jobs. Mm-hmm. Maybe she wants to be creative in a non-creative space, but to the detriment to the detriment of the actual ships flowing. And like, if you have a well-oiled machine and you have this like one like mm-hmm. really great little sprocket that's doing too much, the whole thing will fall apart. Yeah, because the rules are in place on this spaceship because, like, spaceships are very dangerous places. Like, yeah. there's so much that could kill everybody, you know. We all have to pull our weight or we all die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would, if we're talking about flaws, I think she should be, like, insufferable mm-hmm. a little bit, like, to a certain extent. Like, even though, like, people watching the show will be able to understand, like, her motives are rooted in something good, but it's just not... She's just born in the wrong time, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, she's just like, if this is another place, another planet, another dimension, she would be helpful. Does she then do what she does to better the lives of those on board? Or is it just to get truth out because she's right? I don't think it's, I think she's selfish yeah. in that she doesn't want to live on this ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she didn't know that was an option before, but mm-hmm. like, she doesn't want to do this mission. And the people like around her are like, yeah, well, we all didn't ask for this, but we all want to live. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, you know, we necessarily sort of understand our role in society. And Kirby's like, well, fuck you a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. I want to, like, I want to expand my horizons. And- so she's insufferable and selfish. But as a viewer, we totally get where she's coming from. Because if we were put in that scenario, we would feel the same way. Or we'd, we would like to think we would be. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. Sheeple versus sheep. Sheeple versus wolf. No, sheeple versus sheep. Sheeple versus wolf of pupil. <laughs> <laughs> We were feeling good about our choices around Kirby. So there was only one thing left to do. Please leave a message after the tone. Hey, Simon, it's Ryan from Let's Make a Sci-Fi. And I hope you're sitting down because here's a better logline. 
Okay, here we go. A low-level worker named Kirby on board a massive generational spaceship supposedly containing the last humans alive in the universe makes contact with a mysterious vessel that claims to be from Earth, sent to bring them back. I'm smiling. I assume you're smiling. I can't tell because this is voicemail. But um, give me a ring back. Let me know if you were smiling or if you still hate it. Have a great day, Simon. Next time on Let's Make a Sci-Fi, we put fiction on the shelf and dive into the science. Do you have any advice that you would give to writers who don't know science, like us, for instance? Yeah, sure. Don't write science fiction. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. Let's Make a Sci-Fi is hosted by Maddie Kelly, Mark Chavez, and Ryan Beal, and created by Kelly and Kelly with development from Ryan Beal. This episode is written and produced by Dave Shimka, Max Collins, and Chris Kelly. The coordinating producer is Lauren Berkovich. Jeff Turner is our senior producer, and Arif Nurani is the director of CBC Podcasts. Our theme song is by Chris Kelly. Special thanks to Simon Barry and Kat Montague. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi, uh, Simon, it's Ryan Beal again. I have to talk quietly because I don't want to wake Mark or Maddie up because I promised them I'd stop talking about this idea because they hate this idea, and most people do. But I just wanted to see if you thought there was anything in it, so I'll just leave it in your capable hands. It's another log line, so okay. A young water prince named Caspian, who spent his whole life living at the bottom of Earth's vast oceans, must lead a team of brave Aquans on land for the first time in 10,000 years in order to save humankind. Yeah, I don't know if I told you about the Aquans, but they're like underwater people. They're like mermaids. With- for more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.